through to Madrid to the Champions League final. Leicester's very own fantastic Mr. Fox. Welcome back, everybody, to Slapcast. This is episode five of Slapcast 2019-20, and we're back, and we're moving on. It's international break, which kind of sucks, but we still have plenty to talk about. So uh, we are without Josh again, sadly. Um, it's become our local tragedy to be without Josh. So we are joined by uh, Reese and Ethan, though. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you for impersonating Josh to the best of your ability. You're welcome. Um, and in a landmark feat for Slapcast, we are joined by a special guest, and it's Sid. Hi, Sid. Happy to be here. Uh, so can you explain to anyone, literally anyone, what club you support currently? <laughs> you know, it's it's a whole thing. You know, we had the... You know, the past, like, three years, I've just been jumping around a little bit. I guess predominantly I was at Liverpool. But, I mean, like, right now, I mean, they've shown that they're changing the mentality that I hated when I used to support them. And I think a big part of that is getting rid of Wenger and mixing up the board a little bit. So i got to say that I, I'm probably more or less backing Arsenal this year and for the foreseeable future. Back with the boys. Well, it was Back nice of you boys. to join us. Uh, you're no longer on the show. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'll leave. That's um, fine. No. So, um, let's let's get cracking. All right. So, our first little mini segment is going to be our uh, look at international football because uh, we were in the international break. And specifically, we're going to look at the U.S. Uh, first. Um, I think we've only played one game so far, unless I'm forgetting. I think there might be one either tonight or tomorrow. But most of the main guys have uh, gone back to their to their leagues. But uh, notable game against Mexico and unfortunate 3-0 loss. Um, I'm interested to hear. I know you watched the game, Ethan, right? Which game was it? Sorry. The, the U.S.-Mexico game. I did watch a little bit of it, yes. Uh what did you think of the performance? Um, I actually didn't like how the U.S. looked. I feel like they looked too scared because they always they, the ball would always go back to Stefan and goal, but then they would start panicking. It would, they would just lose possession. So that one, I think, is something we need to improve on playing out from the back. Yeah, I had similar. I had a similar reaction to it, and it was like I was pretty disappointed with the performance. But at the same time, I think um, I think it's in a way, a good move by uh, Berhalter because uh, the commentators were talking about it. And what he's basically uh, said to the press and stuff is that he wants the U.S. to start playing more like their competition. And so uh, in these friendlies, he's trying to get us out of our comfort zone. And <clears throat> even when we're failing at it, he need, he wants the U.S., at least for now, to try and um, to try and just do it, even if they're if they're losing a game like against Mexico, we didn't we didn't really change uh, tactics throughout the game. So I think he's really just trying to use these friendlies as a way to uh, get some new tactics in, which I'm I'm not upset about at all. Yeah, I'd prefer he do it now than um, in the qualifying. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not actually too... Coming from someone who's usually extremely pessimistic about the U.S. national team, I didn't watch this game, but I did watch the highlights. Um, I am usually very pessimistic about the U.S. national team, but I'm okay with um, him sort of experimenting and playing some of the players that are a bit lesser known in games like this. I also think the system was something that we haven't really used before. They, yeah. they sort of seem to be lining up in like a 4-4-1-1 almost, because I feel like McKinney was generally further ahead of Boyd and Pulisic, or all the times that I saw anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that could be a new system. I don't know how I feel about that. I think I would rather have Boyd and... I would rather play a front three, I think, with those players, like a bona fide front three. But, I mean, it's good to see that he's willing to change something and not just keep banging his head against the wall like Bruce Arena did. So something something notable notice something notable. I'm having a stroke um, from to look at in this game from the uh, Gold Cup final loss against Mexico was uh, we talked about the lack of depth at left back and that we needed to change to a proper back four instead of this weird wing back thing with uh, Areola and stuff. And I, I said that we might uh, look at playing Dest at left left back even though he's at right back and uh, generally. Most of us said that would be a little strange because he is a right back, and I even I, I agreed with that because uh, it's just hard to whip in crosses with the weaker foot. However, um, Dest from the uh, one of the standout performers from the under twenties, under twenty one. Uh, yeah, I think it's under twenty one. Yeah, under twenty one. Um, he. Uh, deputized at left back even though he's a right back in this game and i i thought he played pretty well he got yeah. skinned for mexico's first goal but yeah uh, but... he's still super young but i thought mostly he looked pretty sharp yeah he lo- he still looked good throughout that game it was good to see more people from the under 21s breaking out into the first team and having having a player in a as prestigious an academy as ajax is definitely a good thing for the u.s especially since we need as much defensive help as we can get in these next few years. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess we can talk now about sort of how we're feeling as far as leading up to the 2022 World Cup cycle. Obviously, it's kind of a ways away, but it's still something that we need to consider, considering I would like to see U.S. soccer uh, back in the World Cup as soon as possible. Uh, so... Uh. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I was just going to say, I feel like Costa Rica are kind of falling off um, from being the second best team in CONCACAF. So I really think that spot is kind of open now. Um, Obviously, Mexico, you probably would have to say Mexico are definitely the best team in CONCACAF right now, considering Mm -hmm. they've beat us twice in a row. Um, And they're sort of also in a transitional period, but they are further along, I think, than we are. Which is fine, because we don't have to come first. Um, we just have to qualify. So, yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, I'm happy with the way things are going. Like, uh, tactically-wise, they've switched to, at least recently, they've tried out the actual back four. Um, I think we've, we've most of the team now, except for a couple of the center backs, a couple of the defenders, who I've been impressed with, so I'm not mad about it, are actually all... Uh, playing outside of the U.S., I'm pretty sure. I think all of them that started in the Mexico friendly, except for uh, Long and Zimmerman. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Reggie Cannon. 
but I, I've been impressed by all of them. So uh, I'm happy with the way things are going. And I think if we can get some of these uh, new things that Peralter is trying out down, then I think we'll be in decent shape uh, for this next World Cup, hopefully. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be something to uh, look forward to, that World Cup is. Um, so yeah, I think that could probably close out our thoughts on the U.S. national team. Obviously, it's right now we're just dealing with friendlies, so there's not too much. I mean, you can't really read too much into this result. Um, and we're kind of far away from uh, World Cup qualifying, but it's always nice to look ahead. I think it could even be a case of we could still get away with not being our best in qualifying because some of these other CONCACAF teams are getting significantly worse. Um, so that probably will be to our benefit as far as qualification is concerned. But moving on to more international stuff, Ethan. All right, so one segment I wanted to bring up was how the teams from the 2016 Euros are looking as of now. And this is like going through the World Cup and up to now at this point. So I'll basically pick out the more important teams or the teams that have changed the most throughout the groups. So um, Group A from the 2016 Euros was France, uh, Switzerland, Albania, and Romania. And the other, uh, Switzerland and Albania and Romania, they all kind of like stayed the same. But I mean, Romania's kind of gotten a little better. But France has, as you all know, they won the World Cup and they still look really good. They've got a bunch of young talent. Mm -hmm. to go off of and I know I think they could be a potential threat for the Euros indeed they are definitely in the conversation for favorites I think yeah I mean as you kind of have to be when you win the World Cup but at the same Mm -hmm. time I don't know I mean it is kind of rare for a team to like win back-to-back international tournaments uh, apart from when Spain did it three times Um, Mm -hmm. but I think France definitely have the capability to do it because of how young their squad is so, mm-hmm. all right. So moving on to Group B, it was Wales, England, Slovakia, and Russia. Now the two that stood out for me now are England and Russia. England, they've definitely abandoned that old style with abandoned Rooney, and they basically just changed the whole system and implementing their youth, and they've looked really good recently. And then Russia, they, you know, they were like. They just they just did not look that good during the Euros, but in the World Cup they just looked so much better under new management and mm-hmm. so th- those are two teams I think also to look out for maybe I mean Russia and maybe not I mean it's possible but not to win the whole thing but they I feel like they're still dangerous but it is yeah, they could provide some upsets yeah they certainly did in the World Cup but it's also worth pointing out I'm not sure how much of it was down to sort of home field advantage um, mm-hmm. I know. Obviously, in the World Cup, the host nation always kind of gets an extra little bump. So, Sid, mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the England national team um, and how they're progressing recently. They beat Bulgaria 4-0, I think, in qualifying the other day, um, featuring a garbage hat-trick from Harry Kane. <laughs> with two it's penalties. always a garbage hat-trick It is, Kane. yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll freely I mean, admit that. They're, they're definitely a lot better than where they've been. I mean, you talk about, like, the style change. They play, I, I want to say, a lot more freely now. And they're definitely more of a threat. I'd definitely, like, put them in contention for, like, at least a semifinal appearance because they just look good. I mean, you have players like Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling coming into their prime, and they're firing off in the league, too. Like, mm-hmm. it just looks like they're going to be 
a dangerous team and a team to watch definitely at the uh, 2020 Euros. It's never boring with England. That's one thing that we can um, <laughs> be certain of, I think. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, England's uh, attack or England's sort of midfield to forward area is one of the scariest coming into this tournament. But that defense that seriously defense, needs some it? work. What would it be like, Harry Maguire and John Stones? Presumably, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like Kyle and Walker. You got a Kieran Trippier on the right wing or right back? Nah, probably. T- I, uh, I mean, I would oh, probably start Trent, Alexander. Trent. I forgot Arnold. about Trent. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they bad. called up Juan Bissaka as well. Trent, Trent will definitely start there. But Trent, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure to be fair. We got a year. I mean, Juan Bissaka looks pretty good for like where he's at. Definitely. And given how how much I don't think England need too much help on the attacking front, so I could honestly see Juan Bissaka starting because of how because good he is defensively. defensively. Yeah, he's definitely better. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I agree on. Trent Alexander Arnold being the more attacking winger with Juan Bissaka being his uh his opposite. I go on and on about this one man, but I'm I'm interested to see if Rob Holding will ever make uh, an appearance in the senior England team. Uh, if he can maintain the form he had uh, before having that injury, but I, oh. I really think he's so good defensively, and I'd be interested to see uh, if he could try and push to be a starter. I would trust him more than John Stones, I'll tell you that much. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know, John Stones has that long ball playing ability. I feel like that when you got players like Raheem Sterling, and I know it's kind of taboo almost like Marcus Rashford is pretty quick when you have players like that that you can just loft balls over the defense for somebody like John Stones playing out from the back I feel like that would just be something that they would almost need to have I think it's Harry Maguire more than John Stones that they'd probably move out that's fair I feel like for some reason John Stones he plays great under Pep but like so does every player ever but like for some reason like at at in the England team, he just seems to be a little bit of a liability, I would even say. He's yeah, so error-prone. He's very, very error-prone in the England setup. For some, I don't I don't really know why, but... Um, when uh, when England got knocked out of the, the last international competition, what was that called? The Nations League. The Nations that's, League, yeah. yeah that's, that's how important it is. The most obscure. Yeah. But John, I remember John Stones having some mistakes during that game, so he I wonder... He cost them two goal. goals. Yeah, so... We'll see how that turns out. Maybe Maguire will come in. but I don't know. Who okay. else is even a center back option for England other than, well, holding, uh, I guess, uh, is sort of an unknown quantity. Tarkovsky. I mean, Tar- yeah, Tarkovsky. Uh, yeah. He's not spectacular. Or Ben I Mee, mean, I guess. He had a really good season. There's, yeah, yeah not, it's not inspiring. Uh, oh, uh, is, what's his name from Newcastle? Lascelles. Lascelles. Lascelles, yeah. I yeah I I feel like Lascelles probably gets a worse rap than he deserves because he plays oh, for Joe Newcastle. Gomez. Oh Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez. Forgot Joe about Gomez. Joe Gomez. Joe Yeah. That could be a good. That actually could be a good option to be yeah, fair. Yeah Joe Gomez and either I guess presumably Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. Left back is probably still an issue though because Danny Rose has had a serious downturn in form as of late. I want to say this past season though Ben Chilwell hasn't looked. Easy. Chilwell yeah he's, he's a good option. Player. So, yeah, and then the midfield is sort of seeing a revitalization. Um, obviously, Jordan Henderson is still at his peak, I think. Um, is probably think underrated, honestly. And he's definitely just come into, like, 
his little like vein of form that everybody gets like in the middle of their career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he looked good this past year. And then you have some new blood to come into the midfield as well with the likes of Madison, who looks very good this season. Um, Winks is coming in. I'm not sure. He kind, uh, he may sit on the bench behind Henderson because they play a very similar role. Um, yeah. But there are definitely some good midfield prospects coming up um, as far as England is concerned. So, yeah. All right. So, Group C, doesn't. Ha- I wouldn't say they don't have uh, many notables because Germany are, I mean, I'd say they're the most notable but they haven't had much change. They definitely looked weird at the World Cup getting out early, but that's just the World Cup syndrome mm-hmm. after you win one. But they all, this consists of Germany, Poland, Northern Ireland, and Ukraine. And I guess what the other thing to say is that Ukraine is top of Group B right now. So, I mean... And they also um, they won the Under-20s World Cup. Or the was it the Under-20s Euros? I can't remember. It's the Euros, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they, they have... Um, Looked good. They beat Serbia 5-0 in qualifying, um, which, I mean, Serbia are not necessarily a pushover team. Um, so, interestingly, they play Nigeria tomorrow in a friendly. Um, so that, that actually would be an interesting game because those are two sort of up-and-coming teams. So I think Ukraine definitely not really won, obviously, in the conversation for winning or making a deep run, but they could be a team to watch in this upcoming Euros. Yeah, definitely. And uh, moving on to Group D, we have Croatia, Spain, Turkey, and the Czech Republic. And the main ones that stand out are Croatia, becoming the World Cup runner-ups, mm-hmm. runners-up. And um, they're currently top of Group E. Yeah. So I'll let you speak on that. Is Spain, where's Spain? Are they, um, I'm assuming they're top of their group, right? They're uh, top next, of Group F. Next to Portugal. And uh, little Iberian. <laughs> ah, wow. So, so quippy of you, sir. <laughs> um, I yeah. just got it. <laughs> it took it took me a second too. I was like, "Is he serious?" <laughs> but but <Boo>. um, <laughs> so Croatia, I think, are probably past past their best. I think the World Cup was probably their peak. Um, yeah, because Modric actually turned thirty four today. Um, today is his birthday. Happy birthday! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Raven! If, if he's obviously listening, so um, yeah. Why wouldn't he be listening? And then Spain, <laughs> Spain are interesting as well. And I think Sid, you're probably best versed to speak on them because I know you have a soft spot for Spain. I love Spanish um, football. Yes, what are yeah. you thinking coming into this Euros? I don't know, you know, because they definitely still have that whole like, don't have a solid striking player yet, and their wings are a little like, I mean, like you have what Marco Asensio, and then like on the other wing they play Suso from. Milan, but like yeah. both of those players are pretty fickle as far as form goes. And now Asensio has the ACL tear too, so right. he's probably a doubt for the Euros because he's going to be out for a while, despite I would assume the fantastic uh, Real Madrid uh, medical team. But I don't know. I just feel like in attack, they rely too much on just holding the ball and they don't really, they're not risky enough, I don't think. And they are, they play really defensively. And I think yeah. that's going to be an issue because this World Cup is going to be dominated by huge attacking teams like France or England. And then you have, I guess this is kind of Belgium's last chance, too, to win a trophy. It is, but. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them rely, once again, uh, 
cut striker on Diego Costa because I do think um, whatever rap he gets, he is very he's a spectacular aggressive. striker. Yeah, he's he very is. Good. Yeah, I mean, very, I think I, I genuinely believe I that think. if he had picked Brazil in that past World Cup, the 2014 World Cup, it would have been a different story because you lose Neymar, yeah, but you still have that goal scoring threat in Brazil, right? Uh, Diego Costa, but because yeah. he picked Spain. I think his inclusion really uh, pushes them to be more attacking and less defensive-minded, like you were talking about. So yeah. I, I think that is probably um, one of the better options that they can consider. And uh, they also have, like, what, Paco Alcacer. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not bad players, but it's, like, just... I don't know if they're, like... You know, you, you're coming from David Villa, Fernando Torres... And then you're going into, like, Diego Costa, who isn't bad, but he's not Fernando Torres. No. Yeah. They haven't found the winning ticket yet. Yeah. They but, do have Morata, who seems to perform at international level. That's um, true. As, that is true. As sort of terrible as he was at Chelsea. And he has already been performing well at Atletico Madrid since he's been back. Uh, or no, not back, since he's been there, period. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he could be a viable option. I think Diego Costa probably, like you say, will be the number one guy. But um, they do have options, just probably not quite to the quality that they would prefer. Um, what I'm also excited for is I feel like their midfield is spectacular. Because you oh, know, yeah. they do the, I think they play the 4-3-3 or like a 4-2 four, four sometimes. But like you, what's going to be really interesting to me is, first of all, if he gets picked, Isco... And then uh, Danny Ceballos also just looks spectacular. Yeah, he does, yeah. And I think if the two of them link up with Diego Costa in front of them to play to, I just think it's going to be... And they've got Rodri to sit behind them as the protective layer. The veteran Sergio Busquets, Saul, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Tiago. Tiago, it's a scary midfield. It is. The attack's lacking, and the defense is aging. The defense is, is aging, yeah. but I think Sergio Ramos probably is still among the best defenders in the world, um, yeah. much as his character may be called into question. Oh, I love Sergio Ramos. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. It's <laughs> and so they do... I mean, their defense is still basically just Real Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah, it's like half Real um, Madrid, half Barca. So it's Jordi Alba, Jared P.K., Sergio Ramos, and Danny Carvajal. Yeah, I think that'd yeah. probably be what you'd have to go with. Yeah, um, those players are all twenty-eight or above, aren't they? Yeah, yes. they are. Yeah, yeah. What so, about uh, Nacho? I don't he know. Play, he played in the World Cup, right? But mm-hmm. I think was Jordi Alba injured because he played at left. He started yeah, at left. Yeah, he back. was playing. Yeah, he was playing the. He does that for Real Madrid a lot too. It's not just yeah. like a Spanish thing. I mean, he is yeah, definitely. So he could be an option. He scored that cracker against uh, yeah. Portugal. I can that's, vividly remember that. Yeah, that yeah. sort of low half volley down into the corner. That was a great goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Spain definitely a an interesting. Oh, they will also not be hindered by. Um, sorry, my brain just like received so much information from itself at one time, and <laughs> and I like tripped over myself to get it out. They won't be dealing with the whole like manager. Well. I mean, hopefully they won't be dealing with it. The whole manager saga that happened before oh the World God. Cup. Oh, my God. The day before the World Cup. I, I forgot about that, that until just now. Oh, rough. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, strange. And they do have two um, capable Premier League goalkeepers, by the way, we should mention, uh, in David De Gea and Kepa Arisa Balaga. Mistake-prone, as both of them tend to be. Um, but they are capable. So, yeah. 
All right, so Group F or Group E was Italy, Belgium, Ireland, and Sweden. And Italy and Belgium definitely stand out because Italy didn't make the World Cup. And I think they're definitely on the rise, though. They yeah, look they, pretty good. Yeah, they I definitely do want to say though, um, I know in like the official FIFA World Rankings or whatever, Belgium's still number one. Mm-hmm. I just I I wouldn't put them top three speaking honestly nah, like, those fifa I, rankings are complete garbage they're complete yeah. garbage and they've been garbage but yeah. i mean like i mean how do you put them above France isn't switzerland Brazil? still in the top 10 yeah, after all this time still top 10, <laughs> like ridiculous. which is insane yeah I so. just, you look at the performances of france and brazil in these past international tournaments though and you still put belgium above them i just think it's ridiculous yeah. yeah france and belgium not belgium france and brazil also coming off of major international trophies um, mm-hmm. And Belgium are still. <laughs> I mean, have well, Belgium haven't won anything in this current like time period, so it's very strange that they're. It's been years for them. I don't know if they have won anything. Yeah, I don't they? remember the last time. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they have. So, but like you say, someone mentioned earlier. I think it was Sid that this could be Belgium's last chance with their sort of golden generation. It's an old team. I mean, what Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, both over thirty. Hazard probably uh, still has a an, Hazard and De Bruyne probably still have another tournament in them. Yeah, um, uh, Romelu Lukaku, I guess Divock Origi. Uh, I don't know. I guess yeah. there's some younger names in there, but also like Thibaut Courtois in goal. He's he's kind of. I mean, he's just bad now. I'm not gonna lie, but I mean, he seems to do well for Belgium. He does, yeah. yeah. He seems I to think do well for Belgium. He plays a different role in Belgium. This sounds ridiculous because he's a goalkeeper, but I feel like he has. But I get it. I get it like, entirely. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of plays a different role for Belgium than he does for Real Madrid, which again mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous. But he it plays yeah. more to his strengths. I think that he's not expected necessarily to be on the ball as much as he is at Real Madrid. Um, not you that that has how? anything to do with um, his shot stopping. The but. more and more that I think about it realistically, I mean, their midfield and attack is still moderately, like, youthful. Mm-hmm. It's really just the entire defense. Right, but that could be an issue because I don't really think they have It's like good Leander enough prospects. Dunker, and that's it. Yeah. Well, and that, Jordan Lukaku, I, I guess. Yeah. But Bachelor's been scoring goals for Belgium. I think I would still consider him young-ish. Well, it, no, as we're strictly, yeah, strictly speaking as far as strictly defense defenders. is concerned. Oh well, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking talking about like the. Yeah, well, no, they they definitely do have prospects. Yeah, talent. there's prospects, yeah. especially in that midfield and all. In defense, though, yeah, I yeah, the I defense. Then Donker, Lukaku, and I mean, I remember there were like players like what Bjorn Engels was supposed to be huge. Oh, Thomas Mann here, but he's aging too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's older than everyone. He's 27. He's 27. Mm-hmm. I. It's crazy. I was I, I'm looking at the the squad on Wikipedia and I just noticed that yeah he's 27 much years older than he seems ridiculous yeah yeah um so yeah there are also uh, some younger players um, Yuri Tielemans is one to note for sure Dennis mm-hmm. Prate two Leicester uh, players Adnan Yanazai is still included in the Dennis squad Dennis Prate's at Leicester now he is yeah yeah oh wow he bounced around in Serie A for a while right yeah and then yeah. finally ended up. Um, at Leicester with Yuri Tielemans, which is funny because they were a partnership at Anderlecht. At Anderlecht, yeah. Uh, so that that could be one to look out for. But and then, yeah, what's up? And then I was just going to bring up how Italy are definitely going to want to have to redeem oh. themselves after not making the World Cup. I could completely forgotten that Italy was even on the docket to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, they are strange, aren't they? 
Italy. Mm-hmm. I think... I mean, they've got all the pieces. They just can't ever put them together. Exactly. And I wonder, well I honestly wonder how, how much of it is due to the fact that the vast, vast majority of the Italian national team plays in Serie A. Exactly. Because like, they all play such a similar style, they have no, like, stylistic versatility. And yeah, and you look at all those teams in this area, and like you look at them in like the Champions League and the Europa League, and it's none of them really stand out. You know, I mean, you have like teams like Juventus and Napoli, of course, who like you you you, you think of those teams, and you're like, oh, they could be contenders, but they never really. Deliver. And so I feel like it's like it has something to do with the quality of the league too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do they do have a few players that are still um, big in the squad. Well, one player that's still big in the squad that plays outside of Italy, and that's Jorginho. Um, well, also uh, Marco Verratti. Uh, yes, Marco Verratti. I mean, if you count, if you count league. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, I forgot about Marco Verratti. Um, mm. And then, well, they have Moise Keane to come in, um, but he hasn't. That's he's true. relatively unproven at every stage, um, not only internationally, but um, yeah, they. Their attack probably is the weakest point of their team, to be honest. Uh, with well, mm-hmm. I mean, the likes of Andrea Bellotti, uh, Federico Bernadeschi. I mean, Chiro Immobile. Yeah, Lorenzo Insigne. So they do have players, but I I don't think it's quite at the level that some of the other top teams are, um, like pulling for. Which, to be fair, Italy's strength has always been in their defense. But I bet Chiesa mm-hmm. makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's been very very good uh, at the youth we levels. But I know he won't, but I want Balotelli back in an Italian. <laughs> I love Mario Balotelli. That is it is so yeah. iconic for some did reason. You, did you see his move to Brescia? Yes, yeah, it's his hometown club. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. It's his hometown club, but he was having a ball in Liga, and I was. <laughs> he was on yeah. track to being a pretty big player there. Yeah, and it is strange because I'm. I, they are definitely in danger of relegation. Exactly. This season and mm-hmm. relegation can p- pretty much destroy your career. Not that Mario Balotelli didn't destroy his own career already, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Italy and Belgium definitely two that will be looking to do as well as they can. Obviously, everyone's going to be looking for that, but, but like, <laughs> I feel uh, like they're they both got something yeah, exactly. They have re- they have like significant reasons to um, do really well in this tournament. So. All right, this is the last group, Group F. We'll talk about this briefly. But um, it was Hungary, Iceland, Portugal, and Austria. And uh, the two that popped out for me were Iceland and Portugal. Portugal obviously being the winners of group, or not not group, but um, the, the Euros. Euros. yeah. And the Nations League. And the Nations League. I forgot. I forget Big that. Money. I forget that was a competition. <laughs> I forget we <laughs> counted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but they've... They've been looking all right. Ronaldo's still producing. They've got some young up and covers like Jao Felix, Bernardo and, Silva, uh, Bernardo Silva, yeah. yeah, Bernardo Silva. Who I, being snubbed from the Ballon d'Or list, I'm not a fan of that. He has had a spectacular year. For yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what did, what is it? He won like five trophies. Yeah, he won ev- like oh my gosh, everything just, he could he won have won, every, yeah. except not the to Champions mention League. not to mention a UCL semi final appearance. I mean, like that's quarters. Don't get oh, too carried away. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. That tattooed on his chest. Oh, yes, I God. do. <laughs> I have your yeah. I have the Champions League bracket up until the final <laughs> tattooed on my chest. The final is not there. 
It's just blurred. Yeah. Just and in place of it is Lucas Mora's face. Shoot, I already forgot. Oh, man. It's been, it's been, it feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. But well, it's, I think today, as of today, it's been 100 days. I saw on Twitter. Since the, Since final? the final? Oh, wow. Since yeah. The final? yeah. I mean, forgettable final. It, yeah. yeah. Def- An well, absolutely yes. unforgettable run up to the final. And then one of the worst games of football. Completely anticlimactic. Yeah. I guess that's the price we pay for a spectacular season. Yeah, you would hope Maybe. you would hope that that wouldn't be the case, but I mean it's too. It to be too honest, the potent teams. The World yeah. Cup the World Cup honestly was the only tournament that I can remember where the whole tournament was a cracker awesome. and then the final was also excellent. Um so Yeah. Yeah. Iceland, I feel like their fad has kind of died. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I mean, want them to do well. I but. do too, but at the same, like at the same time, I yeah. think teams will teams will probably line up a little harder against them now too because they know that they're, you know, the whole under. Because I think that's a big part of their, uh, the reason why they did so well at that last year uh, is because everybody underestimated them. Right. You know, like yeah. now, people are going to be like, okay, these guys might actually do something. All right. Uh, so that was our look back, so well, sort of back and forward at the same time. Um, and we're going to move on just briefly a little bit here and talk about the um, some of the up-and-coming teams that will be looking to do damage in World Cup 2022. Um, the first team that I have for us to talk about actually could go in pretty well with the Euro segment is the Netherlands, uh, because they did not qualify yeah. for the Euros um, or the 2018 sure, yeah. World Cup. So they for it's sure will be... Giant looking to do damage in both um, 2020 and 2022, and they have definitely done some rebuilding. And they look good. They do. I, I, I do think they look very good. One of the better attacking sides in Europe, I think. Which is interesting because they sort of lack that big forward personnel. Exactly. But That's like, what I was just thinking, yeah. You've got, like I guess, Memphis Depay, they play at striker, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he does okay there. I mean, I think that was his original position, wasn't it, before everybody shot him up? Yes, he was. Just like um, Anthony Martial? Yeah. I guess that's the United effect. I don't know. So, yeah, Memphis Depay, Quincy Proms also has um, played there a few yeah. times. Yeah. Um, they also have Justin Clivert, who's um, an up-and-coming youngster, yeah. to come in. Um, who's of course, Frankie. Frankie De Jong in midfield is very yeah. good, of course. Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum is pretty good. The workhorse of that offense, probably. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Van de Beek as well. Another oh, yeah. another midfield uh, prospect coming out of Ajax. Uh, so and defensively, obviously, I mean, we we don't really need uh, there. There are many words to <laughs> to describe. Yeah, and Delict, of course. Um, and Delict, although his speaking of fads of that have you, died, yeah. I think his fad sort of has died a little bit too. Um, mm. But yeah, so their center back. I think any center back playing with Van Dyke though gets a billion times better just immediately. Agreed. See, your voice mm-hmm. is quaking even just thinking it is. about him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm scared when <laughs> I Maybe think of it. Bugs the fear into him. Oh, but who dribbled past him though? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nicholas. The, the Pepe. football gods just decided that it was going to be Nicholas Pepe. <laughs> yeah. But that's going in our trophy category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're approaching the time when Arsenal and. Spurs have a very similar looking trophy cabinet in the in the last five seasons. Um, <laughs> give me Same some consolation. Hey, <laughs> hey, <yes. laughs> 
Uh, we're all miserable. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Join us. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, as far as teams really that are up and coming, I don't know if you can count Portugal as an up and coming team, but they sort of are. Um, yeah, definitely moving out their their older members and uh, have some younger guys coming in. Yeah, and then teams outside of Europe, I guess, should be our main focus since we just sort of wax lyrical about the Euros. Um, South America seems to sort of be on the decline a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is that just me? I feel like... No, you're right. Because Argentina definitely, obviously, they sort of have never gotten themselves um, together in a way. Um, Chile are definitely on the downfall. Colombia, Colombia probably are in with a shout for up-and-coming team out of South America. I think Paraguay uh, could possibly be one of those teams. They are... It'll be interesting to see who qualifies even for this World Cup because obviously Brazil, are, I mean, Uruguay. Brazil Uruguay. are always there, and Uruguay, of course. Um, Uruguay do have some young players coming in as well, the likes of Torreira. Torreira. Ter- I, yeah, we can't escape it. I cannot escape every time I see anything or anyone related to Torreira or the number eleven. I think of that song and I hear it in Reese's voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't escape. He's living in my head rent free, as I always say. He probably uh, said Uruguay just to sing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but th- no, they do. They do have some some oh, players yeah. that are uh, coming in, and they look good. Of course, Brazil. We don't need. We don't really need to mention the fact that they are going to be a present. Um, yeah, Asia. I don't know that there's going to be much coming out of Asia in this World Cup. Well, Obviously, I do. I do want to say um, maybe not this World Cup, but I think it's the 2026 World Cup, and this is. A bit of a bias, but I think because of the introduction of their own Premier League now, India's youth talent has gotten a lot better. <laughs> a bit of a bias, he says. <laughs> a bit of a bias. I, I don't think that they'll make the 22 World Cup. There's too much work to be done in that short of a time, but they look better, and they look like they're making big changes. Wait, so they just added their own league? They have the Indian Premier League now as of like two years ago, oh. a year or two ago. It's got big names coaching too. Freddie Ludgenberg. I know Ronaldinho's made appearances. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, there. It's obviously you know second year. There's work to be done, but there's a lot more um, of an emphasis on soccer down there now, or over there, I guess. That's and, interesting. That is yeah, they, especially. They, yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, in Asia, it's like there's not much competition for. I mean, like I mean, of course, there's like you know the the emergence of Iran, and yeah. like. But, like, other than that, it's... South Japan. Korea, Japan, kind of South always Korea. there. And it's like, so re- and I think they get three spots or four spots, don't they? I think it's three and a half berths, and they have a playoff with Oceania. They have a playoff, right. I so, I mean, like, realistically, you allot those top two spots to Japan and South Korea. Australia also, by the way. Don't forget, oh, they're in the Asian Australia. Confederation. I forget, it's all, like, Asia and Oceania. Mm-hmm. I forget about Australia. But well, still, I yeah. feel like, I'm, of course, not the 2022 World Cup, but 2026. I mean, right, they've right. made a lot of changes. And I think they're moving in a better direction. It's a better managed team now. That's interesting. I definitely would not have thought about that. So It's always fascinating to me that India sort of never has been prevalent on the scene, considering the population. Exactly. Um, and just, the, I mean, there's a lot of fans, Premier League fans specifically. Mm-hmm. In India. And there's definitely a love for the sport. I guess there's just never been, like, a, not a motive per se, but, like, Anybody to like, and, or like show an initiative how to play it properly. Yeah, an initiative, an initiative. That's the best way to put it. It's also worth um, talking about China, I suppose. As much 
sort of financial investment that they're putting into the game right now from like many aspects i think they probably will not necessarily be a force to be reckoned with but they will be something to consider probably in time for the 2022 world cup oh one thing that i did not think about though for asian countries is they will lose a qualifying berth because qatar is the host Um, oh for 22 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so is is that world cup still going to be in December, January, or did they um, move? As of, as of I now, think yeah. it's November, December, but unfortunately, yes. Uh, um, that's awful. And it, they're, they're, I, I mean, I guess they're just gonna have to destroy the European seasons for yeah, this to for happen. Real. Which, I mean, it's so like colossally stupid. But we could talk for hours about how stupid it is. Um, but yeah, so Qatar probably will get absolutely obliterated by whatever group they're in. Although yeah. they did, they did just win the uh, Asian Cup worth talking about um that's fair too they beat uh they beat south korea and japan en route to that trophy so definitely not um nothing to shake a stick at i suppose from an asian uh perspective but yeah asia probably never going to be quite to the level africa though there are a few teams in africa that are going to be looking to um sort of progress as this world cup goes on the most notable of which i suppose is nigeria um, mm-hmm. as Reese says, the Niger boys. The Niger boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Um, they do have some good prospects coming up. Obviously, the likes of Alex Iwobi, uh, <laughs> and um, they're still led at the front by Ahmed Musa, and they have a few other players coming in. So, Nigeria always an interesting one. They held their own pretty well in the group with um, Argentina. Uh, no African teams got out of the groups in 2018 which will be something they'll be looking to rectify as soon as possible, I think. Algeria, also winners of the Af- African Cup of Nations, um, could be looking to do some damage. And Cote d'Ivoire are always um, in the mix. I feel like you got to give Senegal. And Senegal, uh, of course, yeah. shout too. Khalidou Koulibaly, Sadio Mane, of course. Keita, uh, Balde Diaw, or... Got it. I don't know if that's the right order. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how... <laughs> yeah, I've seen it all three ways. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know, it's a fun name. Yeah, so, and they probably will be just about, all of them will be coming into their prime, maybe a little past it at 2022. Yeah. But definitely they are a team that I thought would do better, I think, in the 2018 World Cup than they did. Obviously they got sort of very unlucky. Pretty rough group. It was a rough group, and they got unlucky with the fair play ruling going in favor of Japan, Yeah. uh, who moved on. Obviously they met Belgium and likely wouldn't have, progress past the round of 16 anyway but it would have been nice to see um so yeah i think uh, unless you guys have any other teams to discuss i think that pretty much wraps up the discussion on the world cup um yeah, I think that's obviously good. europe we kind of discussed already so mm-hmm. moving on to the quiz now this quiz hey. is um it's a little difficult so i'll i'll give you guys some uh leeway on this and it's it's a little bit lengthy, so if we get to a point where, um, and there are a few that I expect you guys not to get because I don't think I have. There's a, f- <laughs> there's one or two players on this list that I have not heard of. <laughs> um, All right. So kind of upset. Yeah. So, uh, can you name or name as many players from the Premier League 100 club as you can? So players oh, that have God. scored 100 or more goals in the Premier League. Uh, overall, there are 28 players total. So, like I said, you definitely don't have to get all of them. Um, at some stage, no you're welcome chance. to tap out, and I can just sort of fill in the gaps for you. But 
Go ahead. Yeah. Throw some guesses Harry my way. Kane. Thank you. Thank you very Alan much. Sure. Yes. Uh, Lukaku. Uh, yes. Uh, Thierry Henry. Uh, yes, indeed. Van Persie. Uh, yes, Van Persie at 12. Uh, Van Wayne Nisselroy. Rooney. Wayne Rooney, yes. Van Nisselroy actually has 98 goals to his name. Oh, so, on. very close, yeah. Come on, Ronaldo. Uh, no, Ronaldo actually never made the 100 club. Hmm. I think Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs, yes. And yes, Sergio Aguero. Um... um. I'm just gonna throw this out here, uh, Andy Johnson. He probably is not, not but I did actually, I did actually think of him though. He's probably not far away. Yeah, he's got like 70 for us, but we weren't in the prem for. Uh, there is a Was certain the... Glenn Murray. Does he have over 100? No, although I'm sure he's um, close too. Yeah. Although some of his time was spent in the championship in League One. Gerard. Oh, no. Yeah, yes, yeah, Steven Gerard. Oh, Stevie Frank G Lampard. and Frank Lampard. Yes, number four. Mm-hmm. Drogba. Uh, Drogba. Yes. Paul Scholes? Uh, Scholes, yes, barely, with 107. Oh. Yes, I'm getting on the margins here, 98. Uh, yeah. Uh, Burkamp. Burkamp did not, actually, interesting. I don't, I don't uh, think he Robert played there Pires. long enough. Perez didn't either. I don't think either of them oh, played long yeah, enough. They were there for a couple seasons. Oh. Um, you're about halfway there, so you're doing pretty well. Um. Let's see. Let's see if I can start giving some hints. So you're you're still missing. Obviously, number one and two are Shearer and Rooney. Number three, uh, you're missing, and then four is Lampard. Oh, five uh, is Henri. Does Luis Suarez have a hundred? He does not. Oh wow! Ooh, Interestingly, fun, yeah. yeah, I think he's close too. I is think number he's... three a Man U player? Uh, no, actually. Oh wow! Interesting. Uh, let me see who all he played for because, admittedly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. He may have played for Man U at some stage. He That's did, so in fact. Um, a Manu player. Adebayor is not either. Okay, oh, I was Carlos wrong. Tevez? He did score a lot of goals at Manu. No, not Tevez either. Uh, he played for Newcastle, Manu, Blackburn, Fulham, Man City, Portsmouth, Sunderland, and Nottingham Forest, all in the Premier League. Oh my uh, God! Wait. Oh. Scored 187 goals. I've I've heard this stat and I remember seeing this name and thinking, wait. Repeat them. Repeat the teams. Uh, so we have Newcastle, Man United, Blackburn, Fulham, Man City, Portsmouth. Uh, Birmingham, Sunderland, and Nottingham Forest all in the Premier League. Oh, and he has one appearance for Arsenal, but that was before the Premier League era. <laughs> <laughs> He's not much no. for loyalty. No. Um, oh my god. Yeah, this is, a t- this is a name that I would never expect to be in the top three. See, that's, I remember seeing the top three, and I saw number three, and I, was, I remember like up the teams, too. Oh god, come on. So, we'll move on Quickly, let's see. Um, we'll come back to that in a little bit. There is uh, one particular individual who is very tall and who just recently Peter retired. Crouch. Peter yes. Crouch. Peter Crouch. There's another individual who featured in Reese's Quiz last week that I struggled to get who is in the 100 Goals Club. Darren Bent. Darren Bent. At, one o- <laughs> at 106, he is in the 100 Goals Club. Um there is a player who played uh, famously for Palace and Arsenal who... Oh, Ian Wright. Marwan Chamak? Ian Wright. Marwan Chamak. Assuredly not in the 100 goals <laughs> <Yeah>. club. 
Um, Lord Bentner. Luis Suarez didn't. I was going to be Yes, so uh, Lord Bentner with 1 million Premier League goals is at the yeah. top of the list. Thank you. Um, let's see. Let's see. Some oh, of I just these... thought of somebody and then I forgot. Well, uh, yeah, well oh, done. Um, there is. Was it something? Uh, was the number three guy? Oh, come on. I know this. I know he's got like. Oh, come on. I Almost know it's like... 200 goals. I think it's like two first names, right? Yes, it is yeah, two first okay. names. Well, it's the the second first name is very American. I will say that. Um, oh come on, I know this. He's English. This. He is English. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him being English. Oh come on, this is gonna come to me at the weirdest <laughs> time. Okay, so I'll give you some more hints. There's another um, shorter striker who formed a very prolific. Partnership with Peter Crouch at Spurs and Portsmouth both. Defoe. Jermaine Defoe. Um, that's, who I was, that's actually who I thought of that I forgot. There are two players who played for Spurs who scored uh, boatloads of goals for Spurs. Um, there's a particular player who's from Trinidad and Tobago who scored 123 goals during his time what? at Aston Villa and um, Man United. Um, one of them is very Irish and very aggressive. And famously... No, the other one. Oh. The other Keen. <laughs> oh, Robbie, oh. Robbie Keen, Robbie yeah. Keen. Robbie Keen. Roy Keen is Roy Keen ended up at like Galaxy or something. Uh yes he did. Um let's see. I don't think I can give you many hints for the rest of these. These are the ones that I kind of expected you not to get. Um so Wait, did we get number three? No, you have no, not. I know is it Oh, I wanna say no, but he played for Liverpool. Who? I was going to say Joe Cole, but he played for Liverpool. Now, you are, uh, like, disastrously close. Oh, are you kidding In the me? way that I'm 90% sure that they're brothers. Something oh. Cole? Is something what was Cole? his first name? It is something Cole, and they're not brothers. I'm stupid. Andy Cole, Andy Cole, Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't yes, believe I, I said he gonna... didn't play for Man United. He scored 93 goals for Man United, so... Uh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, that was going to eat away at me for so long. So, uh, yeah, you guys did really well. Let's see how many of you missed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think you missed eight, which, to be fair, these are ones that you would have probably missed. So, working up from the bottom, Matt Letissier. Uh, I was going to say that. With a hundred, exactly a hundred goals at the very bottom. Oh my, damn it. Um, <laughs> um, the legend himself, Emil Heskey, with 110 goals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one that I did not, I admittedly had not heard of because I think he's very early in the Premier League era, Dion Dublin. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the Trinidad and Tobago player, Dwight York, um, oh, famously of Man United. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Well, I'm I've, I've only heard of him because of like other quizzes we've done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. um, Nicholas Anelka, Reese, you'll probably be disappointed oh, to miss that one. Anelka. Um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, another Dutch uh, striker. <laughs> who? Yeah, it's like the best name in the history of the earth. Jimmy <laughs> Floyd Hasselbank. It sounds like a rapper. or Not a rapper. <laughs> like a 70s rocker or something. Yeah. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Uh, Teddy like Sheringham. Who I was gonna uh, say Teddy le- legend of uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Of I course. was gonna say Teddy Sheringham, but for a second, I don't know why I thought he played center back. Obviously not. Yeah, one hundred forty-six goals. That's pretty he impressive. For, for he was right? big for Blackburn and uh, yeah. Spurs. Yeah, he was first record goal scorer before um, uh, Kane, obviously. 
Yeah, um, yeah, another yeah. Spurs legend, Les Ferdinand. That's another one that I figured you would probably mm-hmm. miss. Um, this one, I think you'll be disappointed. Michael Owen uh, with, oh. a, with 150 goals. And then uh, finally at number seven with 163, Liverpool legend Robbie Fowler. Um, oh. Robbie Fowler. Oh, yeah. You know, I was going to um, bring up a story about him later. Where, where are you? I, yeah, I completely forgot about it. Oh, God. All right. uh, so, yeah, the top 10, I won't read through all of them, but the top 10 in their goal tallies are Alan Shearer with 260 goals. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, probably no one, no one will ever catch him, I don't think. Um, Wayne Rooney with 208. Andy Cole, 187. Frank Lampard, interestingly, at 4, 177. Then Thierry Henry, 175. Sergio Aguero, though, probably will be at number 4 by the end of the season because he is on 170. Um, oh. Robbie Fowler at 163. Jermaine Defoe, 162. Michael Owen, 150, and Les Ferdinand, 149. So there's your top 10 Premier League goal scorers of all time. Harry Kane also relatively close to breaking into the top 10. Of course, I had to mention it. Um, so <laughs> I know someone who'll break into the top 100 or 100 goals. Who's that? Jordan Ayew. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Zaha has a better... I don't. Th- I think if IU plays for another hundred years, he might not get into the hundred goals club. <laughs> no disrespect, the second coming of Messi. <laughs> um, y'all have? Do y'all have both the IU brothers? No, no. Uh, Andre no. plays for Fenerbahce, I think. Fenerbahce. Oh, I know. I think it was Swansea. Swansea did have both. Of them both at, yeah. yeah. Jordan and uh, Andre. Andre. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. Um, Glad we ended up with Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, probably the better one. I think one. they both played yeah. for Marseille at one point too. Yeah, they did. They did. He, he did was both, at Marseille, like 2012, 2013. Yeah, long time. This ago. was before they both moved to the Premier League and then immediately became terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I Jordan, I of course is back in form. Ethan, don't worry. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so okay, um, let's move on past the quiz. Hope you enjoyed that quiz. It, it was a bit of a more difficult one, but it's definitely interesting it fun. to go back and look at some of the players. Uh, that have done well over the years. So uh, let's give Sid his first taste of introducing a topic and move on to the previews. Okay, all right, exciting. So first one I guess we're doing is Liverpool versus Newcastle. Red hot Liverpool. Haven't lost a game yet. Haven't drawn a game yet, I don't think. Yeah. Nope. Versus a very fickle Newcastle side. Who certainly... I will say Newcastle, have, their best feature has been defending, just like but but like all of yeah, all especially, eleven of them. Yeah, <laughs> their best feature by far has been shithousery. I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> yeah, um, they took a Burnley shithousery. They took lessons. Yeah, um, and yeah, of course I'm still scarred and marred by the um, their victory over Spurs. But I think the thing that Liverpool have that Spurs don't is the incisive pass into the final third and the ability to finish. <laughs> so. Uh, and Big Verge, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, Schlang, Schlang is 12-er on the Newcastle forwards. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> that likely was not what you were expecting. I'm just... More than the joke is Reese wheezing into the microphone. <laughs> 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 I, I do 
do want to say though, I know a big thing uh, about this game was uh, that bust up. Sorry, Sid. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. It, uh, but I did, I did want to say a big thing coming into this game was that best shot between the side of the line. Oh, my God. I'm going to mute myself to compose real quick. Yeah, I'll mute myself. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. I'm but if you hadn't heard already, the bust up between Mane and Sala going in, in, in that last game, yeah. I don't think it's anything. No. The I media think... is blowing it out of proportion. Of course. I mean, that's what I was. I was gonna say like Jurgen Klopp and Robbie Fowler. That's who I was. Oh right. They both, just, they both just dismissed it as just balderdash. Right. Just, I think absolutely. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I like, think it's just competitive spirit in the squad. Of yeah, course. Yeah, and you know, you have to like. So. I mean, Mo Salah is somebody who's gonna be criticized for not reaching the heights of his first season until he does it again. So of course yeah, he's gonna course. want to score as many goals as he can. It's. It's just, I mean, it's like, and I think it's Robbie Fowler. It's like a direct quote from him or something. It was, he's going to keep being on self, or he's going to keep on being selfish because that's just what a top class goal scorer does. Yeah. They have to have total belief that they'll score. Like, it's just, it's just, it's expected. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, I think the animosity would be um, probably more vicious between them if it had been a dire situation, but they were. What were they three one up at the time? Or they were three one up. Yeah, so I think. I mean, they were joking about it after the game. Bobby Firmino making faces. At the Firmino's camera. reactions are oh, so funny. Like Jurgen Klopp <laughs> laughed it off. Like it's it's obviously just like a heat of the moment thing. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I think I think they'll like it'll be compl- Everyone will have forgotten about it because they'll both score. I'm sure in this game, and everyone will forget about it. Oh, easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this could be a whitewash for Newcastle, unfortunately, but. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool are going to need to, I mean, obviously they're going to need to not drop points in games like these if they're going to want to keep ground with City. Um, obviously they have two points on them now, but I don't see City slipping up. Um, not that they even slipped up against Spurs, but I don't see them letting that happen to themselves again. VAR has been destroying them this season. Yes, it has. It's, and it's just, a, it's incredibly unlucky. It's, it's it's sort of a result of the way that they play, though, even, because the risk of being yeah. offside is significantly greater than probably other play styles. Yeah, because they play that, that super high-pressure, mm-hmm. suffocating play that often results in players making runs behind the back line. And that's just... Right. It's and just a product of the play style, exactly. Like Sterling is genuinely that much faster than everyone he comes up against as well. So that, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't help you. You could probably give him 10 yards and he'd beat you to the ball. I mean, yeah. The guy's insane. Yeah. All right, moving on. Brighton versus Burnley. And y'all know this was a derby? A derby? Uh, yeah. Really? It's, Do you know what it's called? you know what it's called? What is it called? The shite derby. <laughs> I can't. Are you being sar- I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. No, no, it's not a derby. I was. That was my okay. Joke. okay. <laughs> Moving on. I hit them both. Okay, but I was gonna right say they're one, not even near each other. But yeah, okay. I was, the shite true. derby. <laughs> the uh, okay, it's dead. The uh, <laughs> uh, Brighton versus Burnley. Um, they both looked interesting in these. Opening couple of games, Brighton looking good with their attack with Neil Maupay and 
Trossard and Burnley looking good with Ashley Barnes. So I think both of their defenses are pretty bad. So I think it'll be more of an attacking game, but we'll see. Which is not. I think this, yeah, I think this could be a actually decent game. Which in seasons prior, I would have looked at this game and slept through it. Right. Sleep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, especially uh, with Burnley deciding that they're gonna like press now and stop being, or they're gonna be less dumb. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know other words to describe it. I think be less dumb. Housery. Yeah. Was said earlier. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's Burnley. That's perfect. Burnley. Perfect description. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> strangely, I think Ethan's right. I think this could actually be a relatively attacking um, affair, which is not something that you probably would have said if you saw this on paper with no context. Um. That but means yeah. Zero zero. Yeah. We've just given it the the curse. Um, so, yeah, that'll be one to watch this weekend for sure. All right, so the next game, uh, I would say it's one of the bigger games of the weekend, uh, Man U versus Leicester. And I could, I think I talked about this a little bit last podcast, but I could see Leicester take. Man U have looked a little shaky. Leicester have looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, in every aspect of the pitch, defensively they've looked good. Their midfield looks sharp. Uh, James Mattis is great. Uh, Jamie Vardy is having a party. Um, so yeah, I, I think Leicester could take it. In this. I agree. I think Chyler Soyunku has actually been sort of a revelation this season. I think he is mm-hmm. much better than expected, and probably exactly what they would have hoped for. Uh, Additionally, I agree. I think Leicester will actually win this game. Um, I just realized we didn't do we didn't talk about anything as far as predictions for Brighton and Burnley, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I think Leicester will win this game, but I don't think it'll be easy necessarily. Another storyline in this, I suppose, is Harry Maguire returning to face his former club. Mm-hmm. Um, is it uh, at Old Trafford or is it? Yeah, at- it's at Old Trafford, so it's not quite as as juicy of a storyline i guess yeah (laughs) but i'm sure someone will the media will probably still be all over it i mean Um, first trip back is always still yeah i guess first visit so lester definitely have the attacking prowess right now vardy is in top form i think um that chip against bournemouth definitely showed that and uh telemans obviously still looks great barnes as josh mentioned uh, could be looking to come back into the team and uh, start to contribute at a high level. Scored a, an excellent goal. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think Leicester definitely have good uh, good prospects for the future here. And this game will be a good um, gauge, no pun intended, of where they're going to be <laughs> this season. Yeah, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting one for sure. Let's get some around-the-table predictions. Ethan and Sid, do you guys think Leicester are going to take it as well? or? I think it's a draw. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Okay. I'm thinking nil nil or one one. <laughs> I just I think Leicester changing in a good way under um Brendan Rogers, but I don't know if it's a hundred percent there yet. I think maybe the next time they meet, if Man United haven't made the changes they make, Leicester take it. But away at Old Trafford against a pretty defensive Man United side, I don't know. I just I can see this going zero zero. Fair enough. I was thinking more of a 2-2. I feel like Vardy will have a party, but then Rashford and Martial will actually together. Yeah. They'll, they'll also have a party. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, um, that was the stupidest joke I've ever told ever. <laughs> I All feel right, like we should have a compilation of like stupid jokes on the podcast at some point, and just like <laughs> allow everyone to like visibly cringe at how that is, that terrible is some of our jokes have been. Um, yeah. So moving on as quickly as possible. Uh, Sheffield United are hosting Southampton, um, and this one could actually be an interesting game because I think it's two teams that are sort of coming into a, a new identity. Obviously, Sheffield United sort of cementing or looking to cement their place in the Premier League and Southampton solidifying under Hassenhutl. Um, This is definitely going to be... This game will probably be won or lost on the tactics board because depending on how well Southampton set up for the overlapping center backs, they could easily take this one. But I actually think Sheffield United will win this game. Uh, I do too. They've shown... Especially at home. Some serious, yeah, some serious resiliency at home, and uh, they've genuinely shown, I think, that they can compete in the Premier League, which is not necessarily something that we were willing to give them at the start of the season, so definitely that momentum will hopefully, for their sake, continue. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for a Sheffield United win in this one. Ethan and Sid, let's hear your thoughts. I'd say Sheffield United too. They look pretty good. I think they they look like they're they want to fight for it, and not a lot of promoted teams look like they have the fight. I'm gonna go. I feel like this is this is the one game that's gonna be zero zero. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it very well could be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Not a bad prediction. All right, moving on to um, a little a little fight within within. Again, if you consider that a fight, um, I'm, I mean, it's I'm the, asleep. It's the slab derby. I'm asleep. <laughs> uh, it's Spurs versus Palace, and uh, I mean, to be honest, Palace have shown that they can put up a fight against these big teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the safe bet is to say Spurs will take it. Uh, uh, I mean, they've got a good team; they're home. But if they're not careful, I think uh, I think Palace. We had a good uh, team at home against Newcastle too. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I I think I'm gonna go with a tie actually in this. Hmm. I am gonna go in typical typically how this uh, fixture tends to go. I'm gonna say a one nil Spurs win uh, because I think that has happened <laughs> yeah, like common. seven out of eight times that we've played in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, in the last four seasons, so. Yeah, I think this game might not actually be very interesting because I think Spurs will do the thing where they have a ton of possession and sort of pass the ball around in a semicircle around the edge of the box and will probably yeah. score a garbage goal like we usually tend to do against Palace. Yeah. Um, so an interesting thing, by the way, Spurs have... We like have the slap trick happening because we played Arsenal last weekend. We have uh, Palace this upcoming weekend, and then the weekend after that we play Leicester. So Ooh. Oh, we, wow, nice. we're completing the... Uh, it's like so symmetric for the podcast sake. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Spurs win and just uh, pray I'm, that I'm right. <laughs> I'm going to say 2-0 Spurs, but I always say that uh, I always predict against Palace and it seems to go against me, so fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, I got to go with the 1-0 Spurs win too, or 1-0 Spurs win, yeah. It just makes sense. I don't have I don't have like enormous faith in Spurs right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if we drew and or lost. This I mean, game. The, the form is a little worrying, isn't it? I mean, it's a Newcastle and the draw at Arsenal, but I, I think they bounce. I do think the the performance in the first half against Arsenal definitely um, was something to look or was like a positive for sure. 
And with all due respect to Crystal Palace, they probably won't be putting on quite as much pressure on us as Arsenal were in that second half. Um, because honestly, I don't. a team hasn't put that much pressure on us. Well, I, the only other team I've seen do that to us is Man City. Um, so That's true, but then again, we do play, we sit back and wait for the... Well, right, yeah. That's what I mean as well. Like, the contrast in styles, and then, of course, Arsenal genuinely are just, like, looking great this season. Um, mm-hmm. Malign as I am to say that. But, um, yeah. Sid. Oh. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, he's, he's learning. He's yeah, learning. yeah, he's, um, yeah, I'm learning. I'm the, learning. He's, he's, okay, he's, so, next up, we've got Wolves versus Chelsea. You know, you've got this Wolves team that's I don't want to say underperformed, but there were some expectations about them doing better this season than one win, two draws, and a loss mm-hmm. versus, of course, Chelsea, who are doing probably better than a lot of people have expected. Although, Wolves could work their top six magic. You see, and that's... I, I want to say that this is going to be a high-scoring affair because if you look at the past couple games from these two teams, I mean... Wolves have that 3-2 against Everton. In the Europa League, they had a 3-2 against Torino. Right. Right. And then they had the... I mean, of course, everything else is pretty low-scoring 1-1s. But then you look at Chelsea, 2 3-2 Norwich. They had uh, the 2-2 with Sheffield United. I mean, I, 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 I think I can see this going like 2-2 or 3-2 to either club, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think it'll probably be a draw because Wolves... Seem to not be able to get out of the rut of drawing. They also they are one of two teams without a win in the Premier League this season. The other being Watford, of course. Um, I'm gonna go with two zero Chelsea for the banter. <laughs> all right, funny watching. Don't they have zero points right now? <laughs> oh shoot, Who? they don't have a win. I'm an idiot. Wolves. Zero. No, they have three points. Wait, uh, do they? Who they beat? They drew three times. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah they drew Leicester. Yeah, I remember talking about that. Yeah, see, I was looking at this like Torino game, and for whatever reason, in my head, that was, a- <laughs> in, was the, in the in the Premier League. Know. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So yeah. another thing, though, they are in. Well, this obviously doesn't affect this game upcoming, but they are now in the group stage of the Europa League, so they're going to have that to manage too. So you, Wolves could be in trouble a little bit. Um, they definitely mm-hmm. didn't have the start to the season that they necessarily would have wanted. So. Yeah. All right. So next we have Norwich and Manchester City, and um, I there's not much to say. I mean, yeah, Manchester this City, only goes one way. Uh, triple yeah. captain Sterling. I think I think Norwich could try and put up a fight. Pookie might grab a goal, but that's, that's what I uh, think. I think it'll be City, like City will probably run away with it. Yeah, four one, five one. That's what I was like. Say, yeah, four one. Uh, All right. That was yeah. <laughs> so Bournemouth and Everton. Um, the Boring Derby, basically, yep. this season. Um, both teams have probably underperformed what they would have been hoping for, although Everton did get a good win against Wolves last time out. Um, up against a Bournemouth side who have had a sh- relatively strange start to the season. Um, I could, Although I, I think I see Everton probably coming away with this. You would think yeah, on paper too. that they'd be able to set up well enough to um, come away with the points from this one. But... Um, Bournemouth did beat Aston Villa, who then went on to beat Everton. So, I don't know how much stock you put in chain reactions, but 
transitive property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's more of a banter thing, but I don't know. There could be something in it. So, yeah. I think I'm going to go with an Everton this one. Uh, I could see it being close. I could also see it being like 2 0. So I don't really. I, I, my only like thing that I'm confident in is that I think Everton will win. I don't really know the scoreline though. Yeah. I'm going to go with 2 1 because I feel like Ever- or Bournemouth always. Or 2 1 Everton. I think because Bournemouth will be able to scrap a weird goal because they always seem to do that. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to agree. Close win to Everton. All right, all right, all right. So moving on to the lads, uh, it's Watford versus Arsenal, and uh, we're away for this one. But I'm, I think it could be at a better. It couldn't be a better team to play away right now. Right, I think because Watford are without a win, um, and we've good so far. And they also have just recently had turned managerially. Uh, Javi Gracia has been sacked, and I'm not going to attempt to say his first name. Kike. Kike uh, Sanchez Flores is now the hey. new manager, who interestingly has a pretty good record against Unai Emery, but I don't really think uh, apply much. It's just a interesting little note. And but, he was at Watford for one season before as well in 15-16. Uh, so he's making a return appearance. Um, Watford, they cannot keep a manager. I mean, I really thought Javi Gracia was going to be the one, uh, but then they started this season absolutely horribly. So, yeah, like you say, I think you couldn't be playing them at a better time, and I think it could be ugly, actually, for Watford. Um, I never, I never liked their defense that much. I mean... They've had their last season was really good. I think it's just because they worked together though. But now their defense is kind of showing their true colors. Well, their, and, their yeah. star signing was Craig Dawson from West Brom. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, our, and, um, totally with fair. our front three all having uh, the week off. Uh, you, uh, obviously, Abba and Laka weren't called up. Pepe removed himself because he said he, since he didn't have a preseason, he wanted to try and get some more fitness. Which uh, is also, nice to see. He did pick up a knock, though, right? I saw some people saying that, but then most of the reports I saw were just saying that he wanted to work on his fitness because he didn't have preseason. But okay. I, I wouldn't put it past it to be a knock. But I don't think I think he'll probably. Do you think? I, do you think Unai plays the front three though? I think he does. Yeah, with because, with how yeah. they did last week, I think they he's did spectacularly against Tottenham. I, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't. But at the same time, this is Unai. Yeah, but I think the only reason he wasn't at the beginning was because of fit reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think now with all of them, probably mostly fit, maybe like 90%. I mean, by uh, the end of September, we should have the defense back too, mostly, right? Yeah, and Rob Holding might actually feature in this game. I'm hoping he will. Yeah, I'm hoping he will too because David Luiz is... David Luiz. I, actually, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see... Rob Holding Socrates. Socrates. Yeah, because he had a pretty rough game against Tottenham, too. Yeah, it could be either of them. But yeah, yeah I'm honestly, hoping Rob Holding kills in this game. I think it's a good game for him to be tested out. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I want to say that David Luiz wasn't awful against Tottenham. He did okay. I agree. Yeah. He did okay. And it's David Luiz, so, I mean, you flip a coin every time you play him. Yeah. But 
I think he did okay. I kind of think at the moment he brings more good attributes than Socrates does. He's definitely because a leader. They were both, both kind of meh, but I think David Luiz offered more. And so, I, I think also by the end of the month when you start, you know, you get Hector Bellerin back, you start incorporating Kieran Tierney into yeah. the back four. I mean, Arsenal's big thing is lack of a defense, but I think you, you put that back four together, Tierney, yeah. Holding one of the other two, Luis or Socrates, and then Bellerin on the right with Burnt Leno and goal. I think I think it's gonna fix a lot of the issues Arsenal. Oh yeah. I I Considering so. the state of Man United and Chelsea, that is a top four back four. Easily. So and, which is yeah. not something I thought I would say or hoped I would say at the beginning of the season, but I, that is probably a, probably the fourth best back four in the league. I do yeah, have them at fourth. That's that's where I'd I had him at fifth, but too. I'm quickly regretting that prediction. Uh, I was on the I was yeah, drinking I Solshar's juice, and unfortunately, <laughs> I should not have been drinking that juice. I I don't know what juice I was drinking. I had Tottenham a second, and they have over who? they have over Liverpool. I, I had high hopes. I had high oh, over Liverpool. Yeah. Okay, wow. at least it wasn't over City. I mean, because it's a big okay. To be fair, at the beginning of the For season. Me, I For said me, it was just they didn't make the signings. They have to play the Club World Cup in December. They have all these expectations to win the league. I just figured something would go wrong, but obviously I was very wrong. Well, at the beginning of the season, I said the same thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, Spurs are going to kick on because we made signings and we made the Champions League final. And then That's my thing. They finally made signings. The first two games of the signings. season, I really was hopeful because we beat Aston Villa in relatively convincing fashion, and then... City, obviously we held on against City, which is kind of the best thing you can do. Um, and then we just went and dicked off against Newcastle. So that pretty much <laughs> that pretty much ended our hopes of finishing anywhere other than third or fourth. So, uh, yeah. But uh, a quick note on Arsenal. I think it's going to be interesting to see the midfield three. I think if Xhaka starts, it's probably a mistake. Um, yes. Because mistake. The, yes. the best midfield three for me without question, is Genduzzi, Torreira, Ceballos. Because Genduzzi looked excellent in the North London Derby. Um, oh, he was world-class. World-class in that game. That ball to Abba was just... I saw a tweet... Of controlling the midfield. I mean, it just... He I earned saw that Prince call-up. About that... Yeah, he did. About that pass, the one to Aubameyang, that, like, he took eight Spurs players out of the game with that pass. <laughs> like there's there's like a graphic that shows like where they all were before and after the pass and he genuinely took eight Spurs players out of the game. Oh. So I think what's most impressive about him at the moment, obviously he's been playing well. He just looks like he doesn't look like he's 20. He he's no, looked he doesn't. like he's played for us for I don't even and we bought him for like 7 mil. Like he is probably Was it even that much? I maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'll look but, to see, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that midfield. Uh, although I think this could also be a game to maybe try and integrate Ozil back into the team. But uh, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, I, love I wonder I, if he's I, he had a decent preseason. But I just um, think if you put that if you put Ozil and Danny Ceballos behind together. that front three. It's... Yeah, but it's just like I don't want to take out Torreira. I exactly. don't want to take out Ganduzi now. Yeah, exactly. So it's would, tough. But for me, it's Ozil, Torreira, Ceballos. With Torreira, obviously the defensive midfield. Ceballos not full attacking midfield. You know, kind of that central midfield, and then Ozil at the camp. 
I kind of think that we leave out Ceballos. Oh, for Ganduzi? No, for Ozil. Oh, for but Ozil. Then Ozil. Ozil is lacking in stamina. I would, so fair. I think Ceballos bring him on um, as a number 10. Um, let him try and pull some strings. And he's very... Um, he's he's, he's very force, aggressive. Say, so. yeah, he's very aggressive. So I think... Okay. <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> Ethan is malfunctioning. Um. I think he would be a good... Um, substitute player i think he's also great starting but i think if we are going to play ozil in the team i think he goes over ceballos and ceballos comes in off the bench yeah i mean he's he was very effective off the bench against Tottenham. so like i i don't yeah that makes sense to me too yeah i'm gonna go with a convincing arsenal win yeah as, as am i yeah, i'd arsenal. say 2-0 3-0 sounds about right yeah um yeah so one more game to go Ah, yes. Aston Villa versus West Ham United. Aston Villa, who have won one game against everyone, doesn't count. And West Ham, who have actually been doing pretty well as of late. Uh, yeah, kind of under they, the radar. They have bounced back very nicely from that drubbing on the day one. I mean, a 1-1 draw against Brighton, but then like 3-1 against Watford, 2-0 Norwich. I mean, it's it's a good... It's a good start for West Ham. And I think Sebastian Haller... He's also, found his rhythm. He's found his rhythm again. And Yarmolenko is back in the team as well. Andre Yarmolenko. He, he's bringing have, a uh, lot. Uh, Felipe Anderson's back, I think, too. I don't know if he's played yet, but he's back. I know he's not in They have game. a serious amount of, like, attacking... Sort of, like, attacking I mean, midfield have, options. Um, Lanzini. They still have the one... Yeah, Lanzini. Yeah, Lanzini. Lanzini and uh, Pablo Fornals. Yeah, um, it's a scary in, attack. So. Honestly, I don't know why they aren't better than they are. I mean, they really didn't put up a fight against City. They did for they, about they thirty really minutes. Bad record against City, and then yeah, yeah. And it's City, and it is City, I guess. Yeah, and it is sort of good for them that they got to get it out of the way early because yeah, now they don't have to worry about, about yeah, it. Realistically, you'd want City and Liverpool as your first two games. Yeah, yeah, um, and then yeah, like you say, comfortable victory over Norwich, who definitely are not a pushover this season. Um, and obviously Watford sort of are the pushover this season, so that's not necessarily the best uh, gauge of where they are right now. But twice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, not even intentionally either. But uh, it's me, better it's than saying in any case. <laughs> for just for me, it. it's just the fact that uh, West Ham are like you know they're they may not be spectacular, they may just be bang average. But for me, it's the fact it's just Villa look bad. They do, I mean, just which bad. is odd considering how Surprising good they were against Spurs. I and mean, then, they had they what? It was like a ten-man loss against Crystal Palace. This mm-hmm. could be the Fulham syndrome because exactly. Fulham had they a good start spent, last season they as well, did. and then they just dropped off. And they spent so much money too. Yeah. I think they spent more than Fulham did by like thirty million. And Fulham yeah. started their season with a loss to Spurs. Interestingly. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, and their their first game was against us. You know, well, it was, yeah, but we played him uh, second, to be fair. Oh, that's true, yeah. They've also just got this random, like, 6-1 win over Crew Alexandria, which, of course, is, it's Crew Alexandria. It's nothing crazy, but, but like... But 6-1 is not, like... 6-1 is pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, it just it just came it came off the back of that 2-0 against Everton, I guess, and then they got brought back down to earth by Palace, so... I, I do know. think I just, they do I just have something to be concerned about. Villa. I just think West Ham may just—they may not be the best team, but Villa are just so bad right now. I just don't see them winning at all. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the West Ham one as well, and I think it could be pretty convincing. Yeah, I'm thinking mm. maybe 3-0. Yeah, 3-0, yeah, maybe 3-1. Well. Yeah, think, yeah, maybe Villa scrap one. Yeah. 2-1 two one, two one West Ham. All right, so we're all on the same page there, and hopefully we're all on the same page that it's the end of the show because we don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, huge thanks to Sid for coming on. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you'll be back. It was back. a lot of fun. It was a good way to spend a month. It was. This was a good show. I think this was one of our better shows. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's never the same without Josh, but um, when we have capable replacements to bring in, it's never it's never quite as painful. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, we, have, we have a couple guests on the, on the list that we're going to try and work into some shows, and uh, obviously we will be inviting Sid back as well. And I some would stage. look back. Uh, and Josh, I think is he has a lot of uh, extra commitments that we don't have, um, so he may not feature quite as extensively on the podcast this season, which is unfortunate. Um, but obviously, his other commitments come first, and we we love him and wish him everything good in the world because he deserves it. Yes. <laughs> um, so here's an idea: um, How about like if he can't do it, like let's ask him when he thinks about, at least about the Leicester game. Oh, that's true, and we could sort of like read it off like a eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And so. That's foul. <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. Um, if you're listening, I hope you are. Um, so, yeah. In any case. Oh, oh. Party foul! I made it the entire show, aside from when I referenced it like in third person, sort of. Um, but. Here we are. It's okay. It's all right in moderation. Yeah. It's well, but now I can't say it at all because it'll be pointed out every time I say it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we hope you're having a good night or morning or afternoon whenever you're listening. And uh, that's good.